It's Sunday, February 4th, 2018, and you are listening to Locrius playing a, I mean, episode 77 of Roll Up and Die. Oh my gosh, you guys are recording too? No, yeah, no. Just uh, yeah, for a change, I'm going to record. <laughs> what are the odds? That's crazy. <laughs> so we won't have to artificially synthesize your whole voice for the next one. That was that <laughs> yeah. is the most difficult part, hands down, of roll up uh, and die editing, and the number one culprit to us not releasing many episodes. Uh, hi, my name yeah. is Matt. <laughs> ha ha ha! Good one, Alex. <laughs> Uh, uh, so I don't know if you knew this. I'm a huge dork, just the biggest what? dork in the whole world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know this for a fact, and I'm going to share with you the reason now. Is that I just got done watching a professional video game match. Right. Now listen. Right. Now listen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's just the baby step. It's like whatever. Yeah. Like maybe it was like StarCraft. Maybe he. You know. Maybe he reads it for the the articles. You know. Like who knows? Who knows what he's talking about? Here? So, this game is called Overwatch, and it's a game mm-hmm. that I play with Matt sometimes, with James and Tim, and just kind of a bunch of people from AbTab and in the AbTab group. It is the weirdest thing watching professional Overwatch because. It's got everything I hate about sports. <laughs> it's got the commentators. <clears throat> it's got it the, really? it's got uh, commentators, Alex. It's got oh people who are narrating the whole time. At the end of the game, there was a post-game interview, and they asked the player like what they talked about at halftime, and he said, <laughs> "And I'm gonna I, I'm not gonna do the accent because I'll kill it." But he's French, and he said, "Well, we went back and asked why we lose." What we change, and 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 I'm looking at it thinking, oh that's exactly what they ask Peyton Manning after yeah. he wins a Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> and at that moment, I reached, I took the remote, I pointed it at the TV, I said, "Not like this," and I turned the volume up, and that's why I'm the dork. I watched the second half. <laughs> I think we're going to see you pointed the remote at your head. <laughs> yeah, pointed, I pointed the remote. I pointed at my head. And I pressed I mute. <laughs> I used to watch professional StarCraft 2 all the time. And before that, I watched a lot of StarCraft Brood War. Uh, and it was fun, man. There was a time in my life when it was really enjoyable to watch uh, watch people who were better at video games than I will ever be. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of people... A lot of people don't enjoy watching video games, but I, I do when someone's really good at it because they do stuff that I would never think of doing. And yeah. especially in a game like Overwatch where it takes a lot of teamwork or StarCraft where it requires a lot of different strategy and like micromanaging, <clears throat> it's always very enjoyable for me to, to watch that kind of stuff. So I'm definitely interested in checking out the Overwatch League stuff because I did used to really enjoy watching StarCraft. So yeah. it might scratch that particular itch. You know, at the wow. core of it is, I think, Matt, is the desire to play the game better. Like, to just learn new yeah. strategies and learn how people play. Like, just self-improvement, I guess. Yes. Well, definitely. You know, I genuinely had absolutely no idea that this was actually a thing. Oh, Alex. <laughs> oh, bro. At oh, all. man, yeah. I mean, at all. Not even remotely. I mean, I have a vague understanding that there are, like, Magic the Gathering tournaments. 
but oh, man. that's it. You know, that's that's as, that's as far as my depth goes. <laughs> that sort of thing. Is it a big industry? I mean, is do, people, do they make money on this? Oh, it's yeah, it's huge. There there are teams that get sponsored by different uh, companies, and uh, I know when StarCraft Two was really in its heyday, the teams would own houses, and the teams would live in the houses together and do nothing but play video games all day to get better and better and better. And they would usually stream when they were training. Yeah. Uh, and you could watch them train and watch them in the house. And it was just, it was so, it's such a oh surreal God. sort of thing how quickly it's caught on. Um, StarCraft II competitive is not as nearly as popular as it was uh, at, at one point. But um, I assume that, you know, Overwatch League is going to be kind of a, a, a similar thing where you have the different teams that you root for and they... They trade yeah. players, and you get different players. It's I mean, good. it is very much like professional sports. It has stupid you know, team names, too. Yeah, you, they do. You, you know, a, a few years ago, there was a big brouhaha about, you know, should should DMs you know charge and be professional DMs? You know, I don't think we should do that. I never want to hear that argument ever again. <laughs> the, the, the fact that you can be a professional video game player just oh, dude. blows out of the water. <laughs> It's I co- mean, and now you can be a <laughs> professional D and D player too. At least semi-professional. There are people that make money off of this. So, man, that's just yeah. Well, that was uh, a roll up and die, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in <laughs> and on this Our episode on esports. Yeah. On esports, <clears throat> I went to the record store today and spent entirely too much money on vinyl. You got new, so albums. there's that. Ooh, what'd you get? I did. <laughs> uh, so I picked up uh, Rage Against the Machines self-titled album, which is one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, and I got, um, uh, Morningstar, which is my favorite album by the band Baroness. Mm-hmm. And I picked up, um, uh, them Crooked Vultures yes. self-titled album as well. Yes, you did. Uh, so I, I have a, my rule is I only buy an album on vinyl if it's one of my favorite albums. Like I don't buy, you know, an album just because I sort of like it. I buy it because it's an album that I listen to all the time. And I want to be able to have it on on vinyl. And it just so happened that today I found three or four <laughs> that I was like, oh, yep, I need that. Nice. Need that one, too. So I actually I did the thing where I had to put some back because I had too many in my hand when Aww. I was walking out. Yeah. Hello, darkness, so. my but the cool thing about you and anyone else who's giving these vinyls good homes is that, like, let's say hypothetically. Let's say you're running a game or Alex, you're going to run a Cthulhu game here pretty soon. Uh, Let's say there's a record player because you're like kind of an old school gamer like kind of guy in the game. Uh, (laughs) Let's say there's a record player in the game and some vinyl and you have some vinyl on you or Matt, you've got some vinyl on you. You could use that per se as a prop in your game. That's a a really good idea. I wonder. We should do uh, an episode on that. Did I? (sighs) Nah. I painted that segue like I'm Bob Ross. I described you put you happy put flames segue, on the side of that segue. Happy little segue. Happy little segue. <laughs> oh man, oh, that my. segue was like the DeLorean and Back to the Future. Like it went so fast that it left flames behind it. It was like <laughs> where we're going. We won't need. I don't know what segues don't need fuel. Segways. Yeah. Electricity yeah. is what we use. All right. Um. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Where we're going, we won't need two more wheels. <laughs> Where we're going, we won't get 88 miles per hour. Uh, go about 15. 15? They go 15? Yeah, maybe. Dude, I'd be terrified know. of our zooming 15 miles an hour. All right, I'm sorry. We're, we're uh, breaking the sound barrier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Arc four. Uh, your face is all rubbery and flapping around. 
<laughs> anyway, that is exactly what we're talking about today is segues. <clears throat> no, it's uh, props and handouts in your games. And uh, right here, we're talking about that on Roll Up and Die, your definitive RPG podcast. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. So I feel like every once in a while we talk about <clears throat> props, handouts, it, it kind of that sort of subject matter kind of fits into any subject if you think about it. Yeah. There are a lot of ways you can shoehorn it in and just talk about it and be inspired <clears throat> by it. And I think we might have even brushed up with this topic maybe as an episode in the past but mm -hmm. i i feel like it's worth revisiting because I, and number one everything's worth revisiting because i think we're all different people <laughs> than we were when we started this podcast oh yeah. yeah but also the world of digital gaming and online gaming and youtube hangouts and zoom and discord has created a new environment where physical props might not necessarily be used, but it opens a whole new doorway to digital music, uh, images. Yeah. And I think that's why it's worth talking about. I, I, there are some things that sure. I'd love to, to discuss regarding that topic, but what is the best prop you have ever used? We'll start just at your table or on your PC or computer. You go ahead and start, Alex. Oh, well, I'd have to think back to some of them, but, uh, but the most recent one... I ran a Call of Cthulhu game online, and I made a little video, uh, this this really creepy little video, and I, I I built in this this sort of jump scare into it. So, have you ever seen those uh, those memes that come up with some of those little video memes, and you know it, it tells you to stare at it, and you'll see something happen, and then all of a sudden this creepy face comes up and goes, it scares the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, uh, yeah. And so it was, it was a little bit like that, not quite as extreme as that, perhaps. But um, the whole point was that. The, the character was supposed to, you know, be sort of hearing whispers from a window and he's creeping over to sort of look at it. It's like, okay, well, you know, go to this link, you know. So he goes to it and he hears the whispers, sees the window, and all of a sudden boom, he sees the face appear in the window. And it, and, and I think it worked really well. So, I, you know, that was my first sort of foray into a, a kind of digital handout. That's really cool, actually. Yeah. And, and I think you, Alex, <clears throat> have done some pretty awesome handouts for us personally, the, uh, the Pipeline game. We got like right, a right. wasn't it a oh my you're gonna tell you, it was like it was like a corporate memo that we <laughs> yes, got yes yeah well yeah and I remember yeah. too Alex I was playing in a I was playing in a Cthulhu game with you and you sent everyone a menu from the cruise mm -hmm. liner that we were gonna be oh, on yeah um, talked about and that. it was like it was like true to the time stuff that you could get to eat and drink and stuff and it was really cool yeah it's fascinating what you can find. Uh, I mean, especially for more modern games. I mean, you know, uh, from you know Call of Cthulhu to current day, but uh, but you can do the same kind of thing for you know any age or setting or you know anything like that. Just it just takes a bit of you know creative thinking, right? Um, Matt actually made a map for us one time, which I thought was a really cool handout uh, multiple times. But remember that Crore game? It was uh, it's still the coolest map I've ever seen for a one shot. It's like <laughs> yeah. almost like drawn by goblins or orcs or something like that. It was just really cool. Mm -hmm. Yep, I remember that. Um, that was cool, and I love doing maps and things like that, and having uh, images on hand for particular uh, landscapes or creatures that I want the players to see, and that's really easy to do over Hangouts or you yeah. know Skype or whatever because you can do screen share and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think my favorite prop that I ever did, uh, actually at the table was, and I've talked about this before, but I ran a, again, Call of Cthulhu. I think Cthulhu really lends itself to props. That's mm, it does. definitely the game that I've done the most props for. But so we were running this, uh, Call of Cthulhu game, a campaign, 
and it was uh, kind of like more of a pulpy, like Hellboy style Cthulhu game <clears> where <throat> they were all investigators in a special bureau that was in charge of investigating weird stuff. So um, it wasn't like, oh, we just stumbled into this supernatural occurrence. It was more like, oh, we're getting the call. We need to go, you know, ghost bust or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I made little dossiers uh, for each character. And it yeah. was I went and bought like these really cool, like <clears throat> legal sized uh, folders and mm-hmm. uh, made uh, their character sheets looked like dossier files. And there was like a little like paper clipped photo of their character in there and pages for notes and stuff like that. Um, and that was really cool because everyone super loved those. And every mm. time we would sit down, everyone would get their, um, you know, their dossier and they'd be able to flip through it. And um, if they got clues and stuff, they could keep them in the dossier. And mm-hmm. that was really fun. I still have those actually uh, sitting somewhere because I, even though we're not playing that campaign anymore, I just can't throw them away because they're so yeah. cool looking. <laughs> well, I only, I only just found out that there's, there's actually a huge, um, network out there of people who make call of cthulhu uh handouts and and props and stuff like that that you can that you can use like i think it's called yogsathoth.com or something like that and you go there and and for most for many if not most of the published cthulhu material yeah there are people who have who have made props that you know made handouts and stuff that weren't included with the original material or made them better the the game might have provided a paragraph that you could just like cut out and hand to the players or whatever, but these people have gone ahead and made like <clears throat> you know like a real newspaper clipping or you know and, and that you can download and print out that sort of thing. So there's, there's a huge sort of subculture that that just makes this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Know? So if if you want to do it for Cthulhu, it's 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 easy by comparison to some. Yeah, for sure. I think that. Games like Cthulhu just for some reason just really lend themselves to that sort of those kind of props. I think it's because it's it's set in a world that we are familiar with. It's set mm. in the real world, obviously with some some differences, but uh, there are things that are tangible that exist <clears throat> in the world, and yeah. I think that it, it just kind of lends itself more to the props. Yeah, I, I really do miss like I don't get to do much anymore uh, physical props. You know, I know we <clears throat> you know we mentioned sort of digital props and 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 things like that that we can do over the. Over, uh, over the internet, but I love sort of the, the real sort of tangible things that you can hand to someone, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, uh, um, oh, what was it? There was one I, there's one I did a long time ago for Cthulhu that was a, a little clay, a little chunk, chunk of a clay tablet with some writing on it. Oh, cool. And, and, yeah. you know, so you just mold it with clay, you know, some, either some self-hardening clay or something you can, you know, bake or something like that. You know, you etch stuff into it, you weather it a bit. And then once it hardens, you can like age it. And then, and then you just hand it out and think it's, oh, wow, this is so cool. It just adds so much to the game and it, and it brings the players just, you know, so much more into the story, I think. Yeah, and you can, definitely. And, and although you could show a picture of something like that, it's really not the same as holding that that chunk of of uh, uh, material in your hand that you can that pass definitely. around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I remember <clears throat> I was uh, again running a Cthulhu game, and I uh, created a um, a puzzle with a cipher, um, and they had to find the different pieces of the cipher to be able to translate this uh, text. Mm-hmm. And I like. Uh, like did the cipher on like parchment paper and like soaked it in tea, cooked it in yeah. the oven for a little bit, burnt the edges, you know, put smeared a little red paint on the edge. So it looked like <laughs> blood and it was just so cool. I love stuff like that. I think the reason that, that we see more of it for Cthulhu rather than say like D and D is because Cthulhu sort of started as a primarily investigative game. You know, it, it's really yeah. not meant for combat. 
you know, it's yep. at least that's not its primary sort of, you know, goal or purpose. Um, whereas D and D, at least initially, was much more, you know, adventure, you know, dungeon crawling and and treasure and things like that, and it just didn't lend itself as as much to that sort of thing. Now, with with people running different kinds of games, more sophisticated games, more uh, stretching out into, you know, kind of different ways of playing that it becomes more 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 plausible or or uh easy to, to to do that now i think yeah yeah absolutely i think so and um the like i have a typewriter in our living room mm-hmm. and <clears throat> that makes handouts for any game taking place you know in the in the early 1900s <laughs> or you know before yep. 1990 like just excellent it just makes it easy mm-hmm. barker i remember when you were in town a couple summers ago and we went to that like junk shop in tacoma the like the crazy oh, yeah. craft store that just had random little bits oh, yeah. and baubles it was like you know a tub full of empty cassette you know, yeah. tape covers. Oh, yeah. and, and I remember you yes. and your wife, Heather, were just taking fistfuls of those projector slide yes. images. They were, yep, and you, you walked out with a bag of projector slides and you were like, I'm going to run a game with these. I don't know what, but I'm going to run a game with these projector still slides. Going to, still going to. Heather made yeah. a lampshade out of like half of them, but there's still just <laughs> so many. Awesome. It's, like, it's really quite cool. Uh, and I, I feel like we're going to repeat ourselves a little bit in this episode from previous episodes, like I said before, but that's fine. Yeah. But I think I might have yeah. talked about it. But there were some, like, nice scenic slides and some, you know, some mountain ranges and the Tacoma Narrows mm-hmm. Bridge. But then there was, like, a yeah. picture of, like, a little girl with an orange balloon, like, standing next to, a like, a big guy in a yellow bear costume. And it's, like... That is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. That creeps me out. Maybe like I forgot about that one. In, yeah, in front of a, <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, they're in front of like a, a brick house, and so you mm-hmm. can see the numbers on the house. So I'm like, oh, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this as like a clue. They're looking for this. That's gonna lead to this mm-hmm. house, and that house will. Those little things are just the best. I think they're they're oh, so yeah. good. I mean, you could walk into into a junk store like that, and you know, spend five dollars for an item and build an entire you know, a uh, scenario around it, you know, yeah. just oh, pick yeah. that up first, you know, find something and say, oh man, this is, this is cool. I got to like, well, like you were saying, I, I have to use this in a game. That's and, a good and, exercise. Yeah. Like, and I think people listening yeah. should do that. Go to a Barnes yeah. and Noble with $10 or $5, oh, probably $10 now if it's a Barnes and Noble, damn it. But like, <laughs> uh, or a junk shop or something like wherever, uh, some sort of a, or a yard sale or whatever. And Pick up something that's just weird that you'd never use, and and like you said, Alex, see how you can build the game around it, the whole game. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like props don't necessarily have to be add-ons; they can be the jumping-off point for an entire session or a campaign if you are in, feeling inspired by it. Yeah, yep. If you're if you if your props are add-ons, I think you're going to have too many props. You're going to have too many yeah. chests filled with stupid vials. <laughs> well, and that's that's an important point too. Is uh, you know, I mean, everyone has limited time, you know, to to one degree or another, and so when you when you're thinking about props, you always really kind of want to decide what's important, you know, because I mean, you can make props yeah. for for a lot of things, but is it's got to be something that's going to be critical to the story? Is it something that's going to increase the player's immersion? Is it going to be something that you know really ties into the story, or is it? I mean, it may be cool, but. Right. You know, is it critical? And mm-hmm. and once you get the critical stuff done, yeah, you know, throw in more if you really want. But you know, ultimately, you want to get the the important bits first. Oh yeah, 
Uh, maps well and just from a like workload standpoint like you don't want to overdo it with props because it's a lot of work for whoever's running the game to do that kind of stuff and if you're doing it every game multiple times per game it's like Mm -hmm. you're going to get burned out so fast yes absolutely and and i mean that's really it's that's mostly to do with like three-dimensional ones or more complex mm. ones, like uh, more complex digital ones, like the uh, the video I did. I mean, I I couldn't do a whole bunch of those, you know. I'm not a, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a professional video editor, but uh, do a few of those, and then you have a whole bunch of other handouts, like newspaper clippings. You know, you got to have a bunch of those usually for Cthulhu or something like that. Yep. Yep. So you know, decide what's important, and you know what your secondary uh, needs are, and and then you know build off that. I like that. Uh, I mentioned Barnes & Noble because the mm-hmm. best prop I ever <clears> used <throat> was this little maze, but it was a three-dimensional maze. It was two rings uh, that were mm-hmm. kind of interlocked, and you kind of had to yeah. maneuver them outside. And I have really smart players, and I know that I'm going to hand them to Like, this guy's going to be able to do it in 20 minutes, no problem. <clears> and mm-hmm. I don't want to take 20 minutes out of the game. And, you know, we're just going to assume that you're working on it kind of all the time when you have a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have a, an 11 intelligence. And I said, all right, every time we take a break, that break's going to be 11 minutes long and you can work on that. And it took him like three breaks and he was like, kind of like, come on, can we take a break? And it's like, no, man, we're, we're playing this game, <laughs> it, which is, it could get a little distracting, I suppose, but... He finally finished it, and then I had to decide what happened, like what magical thing occurred or what thing appeared or Mm. what door was unlocked when the two rings were separated. But that is – I remember that, and I'm thinking – that is that was such a cool moment. It had nothing to do with the role playing game. Like it had nothing to do with the right. rules or the books or the monsters or the stat blocks at all. It had everything to do with the fact that I am impulsive and stood in a line at Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> well, and and you can also repurpose other things like um, you know the the game Dread uses the Jenga tower. Um, <laughs> Tell it, me it, more. <laughs> well, it would be really easy to use that for almost any sort of, uh, like, any kind of trap that, that, that the players would have to disarm, for example. You know, you could easily put that in, and depending on the difficulty of the trap would depend on how you set up the tower, you know? So you could, you could, you could if it's a real simple trap, then you say, okay, well, you have to do 10 pulls, let's say, or something like that. And so they do 10 pulls for an easy trap. And it's just, you know, the standard block stack. For a hard one, maybe you got to do 15 pulls and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, they stack it a little, uh, a little weird, you know, and, and so on. So you can, you, can, you can build the tower and adjust the number of pulls to sort of adjust to disarming a trap, for example. And, th- and that can, you know, I mean, it could take a little bit longer, but if you have other stuff going on while that's happening, you know, that could be, you know, that can end up being pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, <clears throat> Dread is so good with the Jenga Tower. Yeah. Having a Jenga Tower in the middle of a D&D game, kind of representing maybe an overall storyline or an overall overall plot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Dread ultimately is the perfect example of how balance sits in the hands of the game master. Like you, mm-hmm. There's really nothing that's mm-hmm. broken in a game when right. you are the arbiter of balance. And yeah. I think Jenga Tower, even like as a prop, you could even build like this is a scaled down replica of a massive tower of blocks that your characters have to climb up and move. (laughs) And, and as they're making pulls or pushes or whatever, and Mm -hmm. 
they, I don't know, these things are falling to the ground. They have to dodge them sometimes. And it gives you a, a good look of where the players can get footholds while climbing up this thing. Like It, it might be a little far-fetched, but that's just another thought of... of props that you might bring to the table what now matt mm-hmm. you mentioned dossiers i loved the dossiers yeah. i love the images handouts <clears throat> what other handouts uh index cards photos uh little little things that involve kind of writing on paper or maps like, what are some ex- good examples of things that maybe people haven't thought of i used to do um item cards for magic items uh mm. i would uh use those to hand them to players. Um, and I found that that was really cool because not only did they, were they excited because they were getting a magic item, but they felt mm. like, Oh, I'm getting handed this thing. Yeah. I get to read about this magic item. There's maybe a cool picture on there. Um, and I really enjoyed doing that. And actually I think I, I've been watching critical role recently and Matt Mercer does that too. Whenever someone finds yes. a new item, he, he gets up and he hands them he, these little <laughs> cards that he makes that have mm-hmm. uh, pictures on them and stuff. And um, I actually started using, uh, I had this uh, program that allowed you to, like make custom magic cards oh, and that was perfect dude, for yep. making magic items because it was like okay i'll put a picture in here the name of the item at the top and then there's this little text box down below the picture for whatever the item does and flavor text and uh and- yep flavor text and all that and so that was perfect <clears throat> um and uh i kind of miss doing that man I, I i don't i don't play in person as much anymore and i mm. miss that the you know long-running campaign where people were getting handed these magic items and they would yeah. you know eventually everyone would have a little like a stack a little stack of magic <clears throat> items for their different uh their different items so mm-hmm. um i enjoy doing that for sure that's awesome. yeah, i think i think if you if you want more props in D, for example you kind of have to build your campaign that way you know in other words if, if you want those kind of things then you need to put in more traps you need to put in more puzzles you need to put in a macguffin or a clue that you could you know, hypothetically yeah. make yourself. Good point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, you have to have right. NPCs start writing letters to the PCs so that you'll have yeah, handouts yeah. to give them. Like, you can't... Just, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Or, 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 finding, or finding scraps of paper, of a scrap of parchment. And uh, I remember I was, I was running uh, Return to the Tomb of Horrors, and uh, which, is, which is really good, by the way. But in it, there's, there's two pieces of an amulet that you have to translate. And I mean, and it's a, and it's a really simple cipher. It's nothing too complicated, but it still takes time to sort of, you know, okay, look at, look, you look at the cipher and you, and you, and you, you know, write down the symbol from the, from the amulet and, and you decipher what it says. And then, of course it ends up being a riddle because it's a Sarah So of course it is, but, right. it, but it, I was, I was, I just sat back and I was really amazed how much fun the players had deciphering that. You know, it, 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 I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know why there was something about it that just made it, you know, really, really fun, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. I, I mean, even if you don't have a physical item now, if I had done an, uh, a, a home game, an in-person game, you know, then I might, then I could have even taken the time to make some, make it, make that amulet say out of, you know, again, clay or something like yeah. that. self hardening clay. Like buy um, an amulet or not really right. buy one, but you know, find a, a way to get the amulet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, but, but I guess, my, like I said, my point is that if you want these things in your game, then don't, don't write your game and then figure out what you could put in it, figure out what you can make and then build your, then build them into your game. That's absolutely. I was just thinking, and, and Alex, you, this is, this is your point from the start during this episode. 
you know, start with the object, start with the prop and build around yeah. it. And, yeah. you know, that's the opposite of what <clears throat> I have done in the past. That's the opposite of what a lot of people do. And I really do think that's the lesson about props and handouts is go into your game prep thinking, what can I use? What do I want to use? Yeah. Do I want to use a love letter? Do I want to use a map that's incomplete? Mm. Do I want to use this t- freaking toy that I got at Barnes & Noble that I don't know how to solve? Do I want to, like, look around you, look around at all of the cool stuff that you've got, Go to a yard sale, take a walk, yep. pick up a rock off the ground if you have to, if it's a crystal, <clears throat> and put that on the table, you know, anything, yep. as long as you start with the object. I think that's smart. Yep. And it doesn't even have to be a puzzle or a clue. I mean, like, uh, you could get a, a, a small fragment of cloth, you know, say you're walking, mm-hmm. say, say, say you go into a, a junk store and you find a bit of clothing or you find a piece of cloth at a, a craft store. And, you know, you tear it and maybe you put a, a little bit of some kind of perfume or some or an oil on it so it, has a, so it has a scent. And then you save that and then you hand that, you know, you say, okay, you, you, find, you find this bit of, bit of cloth, you know, uh, uh, hooked on a tree branch and you hand it to them. It, it doesn't really tell them much, but it's still something. You know, it's something yeah. you can hand to them. It has, it has a little bit of a smell to it. You know, it's like, it just, it just, it's cool. <laughs> Just the other day, I was out in the backyard and I found a really beautiful kind of piece of quartz on the ground. It just kind of mm, sitting there. Yeah. And I picked it up and I was like, yeah. this is really awesome. And in the middle of my last point, I was thinking, you know, I could use this as a magic item or a crystal that has mm-hmm. a genie inside or something. <laughs> but yeah. like handing it to a player and saying, your character, you've, you know, I don't know, you could describe it in a better way, but you find this on the ground. And that's it. It's just a cool thing that maybe they'll be able to barter with or trade or keep or gift or I don't know. It's just something they can add to their character sheet that's uh, that's more than GP, more than SP. And yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's a little trinket that's – and the fact that they can hold it, uh, mm-hmm. I think it makes it more valuable to the players. Oh, sure. One, uh, one recommendation I would have is uh, <laughs> look and see if you have a – like – sort of hippy dippy supply store near you and what i mean by that is like any place that carries incense candles Mm. crystals all that kind of stuff because in addition to having (laughs) my wife loves that kind of stuff and so we're we're always going in stores like that Mm -hmm. and every time i go in the store i'm always like oh uh, oh man, I could use that in D and D. Oh, right. I could use that in D and D because they always have like cool statues yeah. and like cool yeah. notebooks and awesome uh, like different types of incense and candles and like just really awesome little baubles and trinkets and stuff. And uh, I love just walking through those those stores and finding things. And uh, we actually found a um, it was like a gargoyle, but it was a toad with like little devil horns and wings. And I was like. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. And like, I, w- I want to come up with a D&D monster that is that, th- literally that thing, mm-hmm. like a toad with little devil horns and wings and stuff. And I want to go buy that gargoyle and have him sitting on the table <laughs> <Yes>. and <laughs> use that. That's not even a proper <laughs> handout. You just want to put that thing on there because it's dope. I'm just like, right, yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> well, things like that can, though, can be like, uh, say someone gets a figurine of wondrous power, you know, so you, you know, yeah. you, you find a little, little figure. I mean, and, and with, with the internet the way it is now, I mean, you can find almost anything online that you're really looking it's for. It's so true. You know? It's so true. What I should, I actually recently gave Barker a figurine of wondrous power in the provokers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What I should have done is I should have ordered like a little owl figurine 
online, yeah. shipped it to your house, and been like, Barker, don't open that until right, right. the game. And then open it on air while we're playing, you're and so, that's your magic You item. are so nice, Matt, to think about an owl figurine. I would have sent you a G.I. Joe with a bazooka. <laughs> I was like, hey, bro, pretend that's this is an owl. That's my wondrous power. Just pretend it's yeah. an owl, and it turns into an yeah. owl. It doesn't turn into a guy with a bazooka. Definitely. <laughs> no, I want, it, I want it to be a G.I. Joe figurine of wondrous power. I say, go, Joe! And I throw him at the ground, and he is summoned... <laughs> But he's not. He doesn't help me fight. He just teaches me a lesson about like <laughs> not getting into strangers' vans and stuff like that. So now you know. So now you know. So now GI Joe. The more you know. is half the battle. Jeez. Uh, getting back to what what Barker was talking about with the you know going into a, a thrift store or a you know a junk store or something like that. Even if you can't get with one in your area, we have eBay, which is yeah, basically mm-hmm. the the a big online junk store. Let's face it. So, you know, you can just go on there and just type in random words, you know. Type in the word trinket. If you need a MacGuffin. What's that? Uh, No, go ahead. I'm going to type in the word trinket on eBay and just see what comes up. Oh, yeah, yeah. You finish (laughs) it. Yeah, but I mean, if if you need a MacGuffin for something, and let's say you want want to be a little statue, okay? So you just type in, you know, uh, know, strange statue or... Uh, animal statue or whatever, and and see what comes up, you know, and and yeah. you know follow the sort of stream of consciousness, you know, for that because sometimes they'll say, you know, they'll give recommended things or something like that, and then you you know you click on it, oh what's what's that, you know, and just just browse, and you, you're bound to come up with something that you either like or you might be inspired by something else, and and uh, you know half the time these things will be. You know, a couple bucks, a couple more bucks shipping, and it comes right to your door. Yeah, on this list, I uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah. when I typed in trinket, there's an owl, yeah. a miniature owl figurine. I'm not <laughs> kidding at all. It's a <laughs> no not even. It's twenty two bucks. Twenty two bucks, free shipping or best <laughs> offer. Oh. This guy's like, I Ooh, just got to no. get rid of this owl. Best offer. <laughs> I got to get rid of it. My wife is on me about this owl figurine. I got to get rid of it. <laughs> it turns it's into an owl. It. That'll be your. That'll be your Nimbus figurine. It will be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's cursed. It's magical. It, it, we, we can't have it in the house. <laughs> no, I, you're absolutely right, Alex, and I never really thought about eBay. I, I, I'm i not big on ordering my props and stuff online because I'm very impatient, mm. and by the time it reaches <clears throat> yeah. the door, I'm already usually past it. I like. I don't yeah. know why, but there's. it's such an, impul- it's, it's an impulsive thing to me, and that makes <clears throat> it so difficult um, for me to pick an object and build a game around it on the fly. Um, yeah, but I want to work on that. And I think that should be our idea that people can steal today. Oh yeah. Yes. So, um, another quick idea for (laughs) this guy, (laughs) this, the most perfect, flawless segue of all time. (sighs) No, Alex, you got to do it. You got to do it. Now I got to know. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I was going to say, um, another option besides eBay and this is a bit more pricey, but if, but if it's something that's important and you really want to get, the right thing you can always look at etsy too they they always have yep. you know odd little crafts on there and they're not always that expensive but you know you can look on there and, and and find all kinds of weird stuff that people have made crafts and so forth and you know you might you definitely pay more on there but you know it might you might get something closer to what you're looking for so that's another thing that's another place to sort of browse and just do a like a stream of consciousness search yeah like uh, I, I like Etsy a lot, actually. Heather likes Etsy a lot, yeah. and we, they have a lot of really cool things. And like you said, we like to browse. 
Just yeah. like sometimes I mean, we browse for ideas <laughs> while creating an idea that oh. we can. No, no. No, I was actually going to say. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Alex was going to say something. That's why I went into that joke. But go ahead. I'm, I, I'm, mm. I'm, all, I'm all done. All I'm done. all done now. Job's done. <laughs> I'm good. Job's done. I'm good. Now let's go for oh. an idea that can steal. <laughs> okay, all right. So what we're going to do, I think, is um, do you guys want to pick an object uh, uh, maybe located around you? We will, I don't know, RPG it up a little bit, spruce it up, make it all <laughs> fantasy-like. You can do that with your own object. And then we'll go around and build kind of a quick little story about it. And we'll maybe even do it three times if we do it fast. Sure. Yeah. I like that. Sounds good. I have a, oh, I have my D12. What a miracle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, that's it's that's going to be you, Alex. You're going to go first by picking your own <clears throat> prop or handout. It doesn't have to be something around you. And then we're all going to build something. <laughs> that's okay. This is easy because I, I have a bunch of stuff around me anyway. Um, and, and, <laughs> Which and, skull and, do you want to choose, Alex? <laughs> number one or number five? Or far, number seven's looking a little nice. Well, here's this actual cauldron that I'm actually cooking a potion <laughs> in right now. My house uh, is a you, prop. You hear a scream no. from the background. <laughs> Shut up! It's like, oh, God. <laughs> Not, you don't want to use the prisoner prop. I get it. <clears throat> no, no. No, but uh, a, a really cool uh, skeleton key. You know, one of the old-fashioned keys on a, on a, on a piece of uh, chain? No. Yep. Those kind of things all can always make really cool props. Just a, you know, a key, whether it's a talisman, whether it's an actual key. Uh, you know, something like that. It can, and they can be jazzed up, too, with a little bit of work. So I'll, sp- so- I'll, I'll say a skeleton key. That's awesome, actually. That's perfect. And and they're like you had mentioned, you can go to like a world market and just buy like a ring of skeleton keys that oh, yeah. don't fit in yeah, the box, yeah. but you know they're just probably thirty dollars or something for them. But you know whatever. That's right. uh, uh, Matt. That is you. Okay. Um. So I'm gonna say that this key is actually somewhat sentient, and it's not really designed to open a specific door or open. A bunch of doors but every time you put the key in the lock the key decides if it wants to open the door or not perfect nice. perfect uh, i believe the key itself is given to the player as some somehow a surprise like maybe what I would do is I'd like next time the, the players are sitting down from a break, I would start the narration as they're sitting down and start like maybe as they're sitting down at a tavern or sitting down at a campfire or something. And as they sit, this one player will notice he's sat on this key that I placed on the chair that maybe they didn't <laughs> recognize or it's sitting on their under their character sheet or something. Mm. And when they find it, they're like, what's this? And I would tell another player, you see your companion staring at a strange key with a confused look on their face. It seems like they've just found it on the ground or something. Dude, that's awesome. Like, nice. just introduce it that way. Also, the will of the key is, has, we, we have to figure out what the will is, but that's the, that's the end goal. That's the storyline. <clears throat> it's almost like the compass that uh, never points north, right? Jack Sparrow's compass <clears throat> that po- always points yeah, to what he truly yeah, wants. Yeah. What is steering this thing? What is deciding which doors this opens? Where does it want right. its owner to take it? That sort of thing. Yep. The ring wants to be found. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. So I am going to roll, and um, that's me. I'm going to go first, or right. second, rather. I'm going to go first out of the last two people to go. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, I'm looking around the studio, and you know what? I see a tambourine on the wall, and uh, I'm going <laughs> to—there's nothing you know less annoying than a tambourine, right? 
Um, <laughs> I won't get it. I won't shake it. But <clears throat> I w- would love to use a tambourine in some sort of one shot that I'm going to run sometime soon. So, and first to go is all right, um, Alex. Cool. So I'm going to say that that this this tambourine was picked up uh, at a you know a curiosity shop or something like that by a bard, and when he he happened to be playing it around a fire one day and he and he noticed that when you looked at it through the fire there was writing on the in on uh, on the on the skin of the of the tambourine that you know that as some of the light came through it it illuminated this this writing uh, on the inside of it and and a and a, and a part, part of and a part of a map perhaps drawn into it Ooh. very cool you're you're asking me to deface defile and deface my own tambourine <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep. It's a garbage <laughs> instrument. Only fools. <laughs> only fools and hippies play tambourines. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going with that too. Uh, and, and, and Davy Jones. Yeah, yeah. All right, Matt, you have a tambourine <clears throat> with uh, that with a oh. uh, potential message or map on the inside, and we're going to try to uh, build around that with a storyline. So. And it's your turn. First off. Sorry, go ahead. I, w- I want to say that when you reveal this tambourine, you need to pull it from behind you while shaking it <laughs> and doing the very dramatic sort of like, <laughs> like, and you can picture exactly what I'm doing as you pull it out yeah. from behind your back and you're shaking. I knew what you were. So that's what I think you should. I pictured what you yeah. were doing when you said, hold it, start it with it behind your back. I was like, oh, he's going to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and the map see. magically appears. Like it's not in there. It's kind of like a. Right, Alex. It's like a one ring thing, like under the right conditions kind of, in the, in the light. Of, yeah, it just yeah. appears. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I think that this is, um, it is the item of a very famous bard who is long dead, but this was his one of his musical instruments, what he used to cast his magic, and I think that this map is pointing to the dungeon that the bard died in. Uh. And uh, the tambourine is sort of trying to lead people to its wielder so that he can get, like, a proper burial. Oh, neat. Oh. Dare I risk saying that the bard is known as... Only under the pseudonym the Keymaker. Okay, no, that's aw- that's really cool. Actually, like there's yeah. a uh, I, that, that you can combine ideas and whatnot. But I, I like mm-hmm. that idea. I really like things that are I like mind of their own type of objects. You know, I maybe mm-hmm. I maybe I like them a little bit too much, and they are kind of overused in certain lights. But but I I can't, I can't get enough. Mm. On, on, a, yeah, on, a, sure. on a quick little side note, though, you mm-hmm. actually wouldn't probably have to deface it. You, you I mean, what you could actually do is cut. A uh, a piece of paper or something like that uh, to, f- to the exact you know inner diameter and have it so mm-hmm. that it, it just kind of you know f- fits inside and kind of holds itself in place and you know you 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 sort of draw your map or whatever on the on the inside of the paper so when you put it in it just looks white on the inside but when you hold it up to the light you'd actually see the 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 image come through that that sounds like a really cool idea but Alex yeah. I'm gonna send you a picture of a tambourine <laughs> and right. and you're gonna realize the project that is cutting that sheet of paper to fit on the inside <laughs> no but but that's a really good point and actually I was thinking this tambourine 
<clears throat> I don't really care about it. I have another tambourine. This one's kind of decoration. I just put it on the wall for the heck of it. Mm-hmm. I might just give it to the players and then session three, I'll have I'll give it to them and it'll have a map drawn in it or something. Like I will mm-hmm. draw the map on the inside of this tambourine because <clears throat> it's gonna become this plot line for the story. And after the story's done, I'll have a tambourine with a kick-ass map on the inside of it and I don't really care because it still plays it doesn't still play anything. Still play. It still jingles. <laughs> right. Like in like Bob Dylan so famously said. <laughs> All right. So lastly, uh, oh my gosh. Right. Lastly, Matt, that's you. Okay. So I'm going to pick my uh Leatherman multi tool that mm. I have sitting next to me. Uh, So it is a compact little metal tool that has a bunch of different tools that fold out from it, including a knife, um, and it can open up, and it's pliers, and it has, like, screwdriver, all kinds of different things that fold out from it. Uh, That's my item. Awesome. I like it a lot. Okay. Um, That is me. I think that this... Uh, multi-tool is has a mind of its own and it's looking for its long lost owner. <laughs> oh god. Hey, wait so, a minute. I why it, actually, actually Alex, it is your turn. I, I made that up so I could make the stupid joke. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, That's the kind well, of man say, I am. I'm gonna say that uh, uh, tucked inside and in, in, in the back behind, you know, in in the case behind the le- the Leatherman itself is a uh uh is a note um it's a it's just sort of a, fo- a little folded piece of paper that you might even miss if you have taken it out in and out a couple of times because it's just kind of where has like kind of pressed it into the leather almost but uh you know a, a quick uh you know glancing inside and, and you know really looking in there you can you can see it and kind of you know pick it and pull it out and yet so you have this this little very very tightly folded piece of paper that that was that was stored in there I like that a lot. Cool. How big is that? How big is that? Is that going to be like a fortune cookie sized piece of paper, Matt? Because I bet you could do that. Actually, like put a small slip it, of paper oh, in that thing. Absolutely, it be, yeah. It could be even bigger. I mean, if if it's a thin piece of paper, you could actually, you know, have a, you know, something, you know, index card size. Let's say once it's unfolded, I'm imagining. Yeah, yeah. Like the yeah. multi tool is not. It's about the size <clears> of, uh, about as tall as a pack of cigarettes and about half the width. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, totally. Pretty good size. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, that's me. I think it wasn't funny. <laughs> Don't. I think that It's funny every time. Yeah. It's we're what are we 130 <laughs> episodes in or I whatever know. and it's still funny. So, oh man. People still like us, I guess. People still like listening to this. They they I I don't blame them. I don't blame them. I I I need some help from you guys for my part of this idea because I want this player to use the damn multi-tool in the game. Like I want there to be some sort oh. of skill challenge where this person has to freaking like bust out the Allen key and assemble an IKEA chair or <laughs> or saw use the saw and cut through a twig. It's going to take them like 20 minutes. Like I've used those saws, hmm. trust me. But there you know, pick a teeth with the toothpick. I don't know. Something what could you possibly, Matt, do you think you could like build or put together quickly before a game that might be something that I'm thinking of? Mm. I actually like the saw idea. Yeah. Jump in. Maybe it's like a finger. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, well, it wouldn't necessarily have to be a finger, but maybe, maybe the other players have to do something. Um, it, it, It could be a time thing. In other words, he's got, 
a short time to cut through this or someone in the group dies or something like that. So he's got to cut through really fast. Yep. You know, he's got to cut through this thing, you know. Now, obviously, you don't want a player to actually cut their hands. I suppose you have to be careful with this. But, yeah. you know, if, if you build it right. Because all you need really is just, a, you know, a dowel of wood. Um, you know, you could have it, you know, uh, glued to the two little square blocks to sort of give it something to, to rest on. And he's just got to cut through this damn thing, uh, within a, within a certain amount of time or something bad happens, let's say. I like it. I like it a lot. And, uh, the, there's something bad happens. I like the idea also, I mentioned finger, obviously yeah. not a real finger, but like if you take a stick or something and say like, this is the bone inside this person's finger that's been infected with this plague <laughs> and it's spreading, oh, you got to yeah. cut it off <laughs> and then they got to do it within a time limit. And however shoddy the the worksmanship is, that's, yeah. that's this person's bloody stump kind of thing. There are certain, I don't know, things you can do that, uh, uh, that, that could be pretty intense, and you, you know, if you want, if you want to get, if you want to get uh, really interesting with it, you could actually drill a hole through the middle of it, and and like before you cap it off, you know, fill it with like fake blood. Oh so yeah, it's just cut it. It's just, it's oh blood. It's like, man, oh, that's, <laughs> that's it's, got, it's like paste picante sauce pouring out of the side. It's like that's all I had, man. And, and if you want to take it to a gothnog level. You know, go go get a cheap slab of meat, wrap that sucker in in, in oh, an God. old steak or something like that, tie it up, and have <laughs> cut through it. Oh, you gotta cut your friend's leg off, or he's take, gonna die. Oh, dude, take it to the Gothnog a level. Steak that is <laughs> yeah. so that is a smart idea. Oh man, take it. To I don't know why this just that just reminded me of. Uh, have you guys ever seen the like the super cheesy, cringy? Uh, cold steel commercials for like the cold steel no. like swords and axes and stuff. Oh, no, they <laughs> for some reason there's one where they're they have a great sword. It's like a Zweihander, uh-huh. and they're demonstrating that it can cut through a boot. And they cut through the boot, and there's like <laughs> there's like a slab of steak inside the boot when they cut through it. And it's like, why is there a steak in there? Like it just freaks me out. It's like you already cut through the boot. I'm not worried about it not cutting through a steak. Yeah. I just wanted you to prove it. You know, I wanted to prove. It. Yeah, that's like yeah. Arlie Ermy at the end of an old episode of Mail Call. That was one of my favorite shows on the History Channel a long time ago, where he would at the very end whatever old World War II tank he was demonstrating, he'd shoot a watermelon with it. Like, just overkill. Yeah. He'd just <laughs> obliterate a watermelon with a with a, with a a bazooka or something. I love it. <sighs> Beautiful. Oh, man. I really want to do that meat thing now. <laughs> you know you should do? Uh, you should go to a ch- child's birthday party uh, and give him a pinata filled with meat. Yeah. That's what you should do. Perfect. You want to you screw up a kid's yeah. life from the get-go. Pig, now, hey, that's, that's stew meat. Put that in a pot. Oh, God. Yeah. Some big intestines. <laughs> You're the one who oh, hit no. it, kid. Oh, gosh. You killed it. You killed it. The blood is on your I'd hands. Be a, I'd be a terrible dad. Like, hey, man. <laughs> out, out, turns damn be, spot. Turns, turns, turns to a scene from Carrie, you know. <laughs> uh, do you guys want to take a question from the listeners? <laughs> yeah, we should. Right. We should. Oh, we should. All right. So, uh, I have a question here that's got six likes are you kidding wow boom nice so lucas n asks what do you do when you use a puzzle for a prop but the players can't figure it out (laughs) dude kill (laughs) well no hold on let's stick with that answer real quick give them a boot full of meat (laughs) let's stick with that answer real quick alex because yep 
you know, I, I'm, I always try to subscribe to the belief that <clears throat> if you don't have a plan for if the characters mm-hmm. fail, don't make them roll. Yeah. You know, if, because if they fail, you're going to have to have an answer. That's <clears throat> not, ah, well, you still yeah. succeed. Right. So right. if they can't figure out the puzzle, honestly, you could kill them. You could, uh, open up a portal yeah. that leads to the Feywild. You could, uh, make th- two of the characters swap faces. You could, uh, give the characters <laughs> a bag of holding. You could take away their bag yeah. of holding and everything that's in it. There's a lot of consequences that you could attribute to the players not completing the puzzle. Right. But right. The, the only wrong answer is nothing. You have to have something happen. Yeah, that for sure, absolutely. I mean, I, I've known people who have, um, if 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 they're having really struggling with the puzzle, um, they can make intelligence rolls and maybe get, you know, a clue for it. You know, kind of to to, to edge them along. Um, you know. If if necessary, kind of thing, but ultimately, yeah, you're right. That there, there has to be consequences for failing, but it doesn't necessarily have to involve you know everyone dying. <laughs> oh man, uh, uh, Matt, have you ever been in a position where like uh, you couldn't figure out a puzzle, or one of your players just couldn't get past it? I can't think of anything specifically. I know what's happened, but um, yeah, just maybe have a couple hints in mind that you can toss to the players because uh, they may need a little help along, um, but. Like Alex said, like I, I would hate to have it come down to a die roll for sure. Like yeah. puzzles are there so that the players can figure them out. So, yeah, yeah. I think when when you're gonna have something like that, you want to make sure it's not life or death. You kind of have to design yeah. it that way. You know, if you yep. if if they're in a, if they're in a room with the walls closing, and the the only way to stop the walls from closing and get out is to stall this, and they don't, you kind of paint yourself into a corner. Yeah, you know, you, you're stuck now. You're stuck, yeah. you're stuck killing them. Yeah, I will never prep or plan <clears throat> something that is a this has to happen or the game doesn't progress sort of situation. Yeah. And that that like works for puzzles too, where it's like I will never give the players a puzzle that if they don't solve it, the game just stops. Yeah. Um, have, have, did any of you guys watch um, any, either the... Uh, uh, Geek and Sundry's Dread or Madness, those shows there. I watched the Dread one. Yeah, well, Madness was good too, and the, and they sort of you know kind of ramped up the uh, the the cinema of it, I guess. Let's call yeah. it that way. But um, I like what they're doing with a lot of the the sort of physical challenges that they're doing, and that and that can kind of give you some ideas as to the kind of things you can do, and not just the things themselves, but how he handled failure. You know, right. what happens when they fail? You know, it's not it's not necessarily just instant death. Um, you know, uh, there'll be penalties, there'll be repercussions from it, but it doesn't have to be, you know, all or nothing. You know, yeah. They, you know, you, you you may they may have the opportunity to say, okay, well, here are your options. You can you can die or you can sacrifice you know a hand or something like that you know i mean it can it can be that dire even but there's got to be like you said a way out well and yeah i think there there definitely has to be a way out but i you know i don't know if it's just i've got a little too much goth nog in me now tonight but uh (laughs) there there's nothing wrong with going into an eloquent narrative description of your players bones shattering underneath their skin while the walls are closing in behind them (laughs) and then they wake up in the afterlife which is another plane of existence and they have to escape that you know that's like 
a little cheese ball and but it keeps the campaign going and honestly in a game of D&D that is kind of believable there being mm. an afterlife and deities and you know crazy stuff going mm. on and they know they died so they're going to suspend their disbelief for whatever it is they found there is nothing wrong with killing the players and then continuing the campaign in the next phase of their existence right definitely yeah, and 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 it really depends on what you know. The GMs should know what the players want and what you know what's going to make the game fun, and what's not. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, so make it fun. Yeah, make it fun. That's that's the answer, Lucas. Uh, make it fun. <laughs> if it's not fun, then don't do you, it. You screwed up. Don't screw it up. Is what I'm trying <laughs> to tell you. Don't <laughs> screw it up. Every play, the players are all watching you, man. They know what's coming. <laughs> That's our, that's, that's our candid. That's our candid advice. Don't screw it up. Yeah, don't mess it up. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Roll Up and Die. You're just so motivational, heartfelt, and inspirational podcast. Uh, my name is Barker, <laughs> and my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice, and my name is Alex, aka Captain Gothnog. And it's been a long time since we've had an, a random noise shouted at the end. Um, so, Alex, could you go ahead and wait three or four seconds and then, I don't know, do something with your Make vocal okay. cords? Yeah. Okay, here we go. <laughs> what you've just listened to has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2017. How official. The games, films, TV shows, and other stuff we talked about during this episode are the properties of their respective owners, so be sure to borrow nicely, okay? Any snippet, portion, clip, or other synonym for part of this show can absolutely be used in other media so long as credit is given to the Roll Up and Die podcast. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt can be found at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker can be found at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at www.absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is also on YouTube at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog, and his work can be found on DriveThruRPG under Critical Hit Publishing. Be sure to keep track of us on iTunes at rollupanddie.podbean.com or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, everybody, and as always, happy gaming.